Okay, so this morning's message is in some ways a preview of Saturday and a foundation. So I want to take us to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 16. If you get your Bibles out, it will also pop up there on the screen. Get your lift notes ready. This is a supremely important passage in the Bible that casts the vision for the crucial nature that each one of us play in the body of Christ. So let me read this passage, and then we're going to dig in a bit, but in some ways just as a preview of this coming Saturday that we will spend a lot more time with in various activities and discussion and prayer. Chapter 4, verse 4. Starting, Paul says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called into one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Paul is stressing the unity of the church And then goes on to begin to talk about the distinction and the diversity within that unity. And says, but to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So real quickly, that's very weird and strange. The picture is of a victorious Roman general who is coming back from war and has pillaged the enemy and is now passing out gifts. So Jesus is being pictured as this victorious warrior, having conquered the the death and the grave, has now pillaged hell, and he is coming back with gifts to share. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth, He who descended is himself also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Led a captive of hosts, so there it is. Through hell, into heaven, as a victorious warrior, passing out gifts. And here it is. So nice little tangent from Paul, picking it up, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fit together and held together by what every joint supplies, that's us, 
according to the proper working of each individual part, that's us, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I love Paul's superfluous, hyperbolic, beautiful language, but sometimes I'm like, you lost me in the beauty. So let's, let's, it's awesome, but let's take some time here. Break it down. There are some incredible things that he is saying. And we're going to start with the punchline here. Because it's so flowery and beautiful, I personally, at least how my brain works, I can get lost with, wow, what, what is he actually saying? i got to break it down, look at these little phrases. And he, you know, he's a preacher. He likes to say the same thing over and over and over, slightly different. So sometimes it's like, what are you, let's... What are you actually saying? Just give me a nugget so I, my little brain can hold on to it. So we're going to go to the end here and, and finish with the punchline so that everything else makes sense. It's kind of like knowing the, you know, the end from the beginning. Like once you know that, that Vader is Luke's dad, the whole thing makes sense, doesn't it? Then you can watch, you know, one through nine and the whole time you feel like this enlightened guru of like, oh, I know what's coming. I know what that means. I know where that's going. You got to know the end sometimes to be able to kind of grab it all. So I'm going to take us to 12 and 13, which is the punchline, and then we'll kind of walk back, back through it. So he mentioned here that Christ gave out this, this five-fold ministry of gifts. He gave some as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so I want to ask the question, what is the purpose of Jesus giving this fivefold ministry to his own body of Christ? And it says it right there in verses 12 and 13. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain a unity of the faith and a knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, even that, where he's, trying, he's answering it, is still very flowery. But are we hearing the magnitude? The purpose that Christ gave the fivefold ministry functions to the body of Christ is so that, let's make it very simple, we might all become actually more and more like Jesus and able to embody him to the world until we all attain to the unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, a mature man to the measure which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Wow! Or down in verse 15, we are to grow up in all aspects into him, even Christ. All aspects. I mean, that language is hard to follow, but it's very simple in the bottom line. Our destiny, God's will in any local body of Christ, is that through the fivefold ministry functioning properly and all of us functioning properly, we would become more and more actually like Jesus. Until the day we die, that is God's will for every person and every local body of Christ. That through the appropriate working of giftedness, we would actually, in word and deed, in being and doing, 
we would be becoming more like Jesus. Not in theory, not in just our ideas about him or information about God, but in actuality, our character, our capacity, what we actually do in the world is becoming more and more like Jesus. It's amazing. I mean, this is astounding, these words that Paul uses. The full measure of Christ, the fullness, the maturity. It's, it's incredible in all aspects like him. I mean, if this wasn't in there, we, would, we should blush at saying these things. But it's in here, over and over. Because <laughs> Paul's trying to truly get us to believe that that is God's actual will for our lives. And so what is this fivefold ministry? The fivefold ministry are roles or functions, giftedness, grace that has been apportioned by Christ. They are each an aspect of how Jesus himself operated while on earth to embody the Father's heart and advance the Father's kingdom. In other words, the fivefold ministry that's described here that Jesus gives away is a beautiful summary of how Jesus, while on earth, did his ministry work of representing and releasing the heart of the Father. And what we're going to see is that God, in his wisdom and in his sovereignty and in his grace, has gifted, this is part of the victory of Christ, he went through heaven, or he, he, he passed through hell, he went through hell and back, pillaged, took back what the enemy had stolen, and now he has, in his victorious Santa Claus bag, as he's coming back as that victorious warrior, he has gifts to pass out. And these gifts are portions of grace, Paul calls them, that are reflections of Jesus' own ministry. So he has, God has, through Christ, gifted, put his grace on each member of the church so that we would all have a natural strength, by God's grace, in at least one of these primary areas of representing the heart of the Father, as Jesus did. And when you put those five-fold functions together, they represent a fullness of the heart of God that Jesus operated with in everything that he said and did. Let's pause for a second. Before we explain that more, why is this perspective not talked about more? I'll give you the short answer. People in power like to stay in power and don't like to share that power. Jesus warned of this in Mark 10, 42. He said that you know those who are considered leaders like to lord it over their people and great ones like to exercise authority, but not so among you. But just because Jesus said that the goal of leadership in the kingdom is to take the posture of a servant 
and empower others doesn't mean it's easy to do. So my personal conviction is this is not talked about nearly enough throughout church history because when you're in power, it's very hard to give up that power or to share that. And so as much as I love the bride of Christ and love the church, I think that's often the times looking throughout church history, you see the leaders grabbing on the power and wanting to keep it. So if the enemy has his way, sure, isolate it in a few. I'm cool with that. The enemy's cool with that. Why? Because it's the exact opposite of, said, of what the word of God says will make the body of Christ powerful. Cool. Fine. Have a couple superstars. I'll give you that. You know what I'm scared of? The body empowered. So, side note. <laughs> this passage is getting us back to something fundamental, which is that God's will for any given local church and body, God's will will not be achieved in its fullest measure unless every person in the body of Christ is empowered to make the crucial contribution that God has designed them to be. That's what this power, or excuse me, this passage is about. Every believer has been given a portion of Christ's ministry. And therefore, our job is to discover it, to develop it, and then be able to pass it on to others. That's what this Saturday is all about. So let's dig a little bit more here. What is this fivefold ministry? Who is it for? Let's just be clear. It's an interesting question. Some people say, well, it's, it's, it's just for, that's only for the leaders of the church. And that would be great as long as we just didn't read the Bible. So let's read it. Who is the book of Ephesians for? Is it for a group of pastors gathered at Ephesus? No. Is it maybe the regional gathering of the Mediterranean elder teams? No. It is universally recognized among good scholars that the book of Ephesians is Paul's most broad presentation and introduction to Christianity that he wants to be read all over Ephesus, the seat of power in the empire at the time. It is essentially Christianity 101. That's meant for anyone who, who is willing to hear the basics of what life with Jesus is all about. This book is written for the everyday follower of Christ. And if you want to go into studying that more, do it. There's lots of good commentaries on Ephesians out there, and you're going to see a theme. This is, it is a book written for everyone as an introduction to Christianity. So we cannot rob the scriptures of its clear context all of a sudden in chapter 4 because it starts talking about some pretty cool stuff. Oh, now this is for leaders. Well, that might be cool, except it's the opposite of what it says. Check out verse 7. To each, everybody say that word with me. Each, one more time, each one of us. Thank you for your grace, God. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Meaning, kind of like a pie. He cut it up and apportioned it. Some of your Bibles will say apportioned. Apportioned it as he felt like it. He's the victorious warrior. He can give out his giftedness to whoever he wants. 
So he cut it up and gave it to who? The special elite few. Oops, sorry, not in the Bible, sorry. To each one of us, the victorious warrior Christ, Christ cut up and apportioned aspects of his ministry functions that he operated in to embody the heart of the Father and advance the kingdom while on earth. So let's go on. There's this a little bit difficulty seeing this in the passage because Paul goes on after verse 7, he goes on that side note about Jesus, the, the victorious warrior who's gone through hell and back and is now passing out these gifts. So to continue Paul's line of thought before the tangent, put verses 7 and 11 together. Here they are. To each one of us, grace, a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. So in some, God has put his grace, he has apportioned it, how he's decided, we don't get to choose this part, However, Christ in his beautiful creativity and love for each one of us, and it fits into the rest of our unique personality, gift, and his passion mix, God, Christ, has put his grace upon each member of the body of Christ so that we would each have a natural strength in at least one of these important ministry areas that represent the heart of the Father, like Jesus did on earth. I love this passage so much because it means everyone gets to partake in a crucial aspect of the heart of the Father to the world. Each of these five-fold ministry roles, functions, embody an aspect of God's character, a fundamental aspect of God's character that Jesus modeled while he was on earth. Everything that Jesus did, if you look at his life and ministry, there's nothing that you can find that fits outside of this umbrella of the fivefold. He was, he was being apostolic, he was being prophetic, he was being evangelistic, he was being pastoral, he was being a teacher. Just watch and find something outside of that. I can't do it, and I've tried. These are broad categories that represent key aspects of the heart of God being displayed to the earth. And the beautiful thing is, the Bible's saying, and Christ has given each one of us at least one of those things that we're going to operate in powerfully, naturally, because it's his grace upon us. Let me just give a couple examples here. So Jesus was apostolic in his ministry. The word apostle means sent one. Jesus was the sent one from the Father. Those who are apostolic, like Jesus, functioning in the heart of the Father, they love to start new things and take new territory for God's kingdom. The whole ministry of Jesus can be summarized as saying this is an, it's an apostolic work in the sense that the Father sent Jesus to take back the territory that had been lost to the enemy and ultimately create a new covenant 
As Jesus said in Luke 22.20, this is the new covenant in my blood. So all of Jesus' radical claims about who the Father was and his demonstrations of power to to heal the sick and and deliver people from demonic oppression and, and raise the dead, these were shocking things that were Jesus being apostolic and taking back territory the enemy had stolen and and breaking new ground for the kingdom to be advanced. A crucial part of the Father's heart being displayed by Jesus because in our world there will always be new territory for the kingdom that needs to be advanced. We're never, this side of heaven, going to be at a place where we're like, "Ah, cool, we did it, good job, we're done. There will always be that need for those apostolic people among us that are going to push us and be that little spur that says there's more territory, there's new. we got to keep going forward. Jesus was also very prophetic in his ministry. Those who are prophetic are ones who hear from the Lord and act upon it. So Jesus models this so beautifully when he says in John 5, 19, I mean, this is shocking language, as the Son of God living in the fullness of his humanity here, modeling for us the kind of life that's possible, the dependence on the Holy Spirit and his Father, he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son himself can do nothing of his own accord, but only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. And the Father loves the Son and shows Him all that He is doing. So it's this fresh, vibrant, personal, active relationship with the Father that He's describing. And there's a lot more to the prophetic, but that's one key example. Is He's always got His his pulse, His ear to the ground, if you will, of I'm not just acting on principle. I'm not just acting on truth. What is the Father doing right now? Holy Spirit, lead me, show me. What is the Father doing, and how can I be a part of that? He himself said, I can do nothing apart from that. So that's a huge aspect of God's heart, a huge aspect of what needs to be present in the body of Christ is those beautiful people that have that natural ear to the Lord and can teach the rest of us how to do it as well. But they say, you know, that that, the clear sense of this is what God's doing. It might be through a word from the Lord. It might be through a dream, a vision, And there's that sense of this is what God's doing. Oh, bam, let's get on board with that. Let's pray that. Let's do that. Where would the body of Christ be without that? Jesus was an incredible teacher of truth. The teacher is one who loves to set forth revelatory truth, life-changing truth of who God is, not just blah, blah information but revelatory truth. Mark chapter 1, Jesus models this. As he went into Capernaum on the Sabbath day, he was teaching, and it says that they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. So he was able, as Jesus said later, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is such an important reality of we've got to know the truth. We've got to have people among us 
who are able to discern the truth from the word of God and have the clarity and the boldness to set forth, this is truth. This will set you free. This will bring revelation of who God is. Jesus models that all over the place in stark contrast with the people of his day who just didn't have the authority to bring people to life with truth. He models it. It's a huge piece of the heart of the Father. And for some of you in this room, he's passed that out. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. He just said, boom, I'm going to make you good at this. And we need those people. Jesus is also clearly an evangelist. An evangelist is one who simply loves to share the good news with those who are lost, hurting, and broken. In Luke 4, 43, Jesus said, as his disciples were trying to get him to, A, stop wasting your time in prayer alone with the Father because you got a whole crowd over here who wants to hear you. So double whammy, Jesus is like, this is my source of strength which is a great model for us. And then he goes on to say, I'm leaving and going on to the next town. Why? Verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom to the other towns as well. They haven't yet heard. And there's that hunger inside of him. They've got to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. That's where I was sent for this purpose. So those evangelists, those are the people that are often uncomfortable in church, kind of like, why are we wasting our time in here? There's so much out there, so many people out there that haven't yet encountered the goodness of Jesus. And they push us, get out there. Go share the good news. Embody the kingdom. That is God's heart flowing through you, if that's you. That's God's heart flowing through Jesus that's looking out for the people who don't yet know him. Jesus models this very well. And he says, and I put it in you as well. Some of you know that. You feel that fire. And lastly, Jesus was pastoral. The pastoral embodies God's heart of compassionate care for the individual. This is that heart of the Father embodied that will leave the 99 to go after the one who's lost. Jesus models it all over the place. Matthew 9, 36 is a good one where it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Many times you see it says Jesus was moved with compassion. That's the pastoral heart of the Father being put on display through Jesus. And some of you have it here. I remember being struck by a friend who was like, my prayer, God, send me the hard ones. That is the pastoral heart of the Father flowing through them. So each of these ministry roles or functions are clearly a part of how Jesus was operating while on earth. They each embody an aspect of the Father's heart and the character of God. And together they represent this beautiful and powerful picture of the heart of the Father. And what this passage in Ephesians 4 is saying is that God, in His grace and wisdom and sovereignty, has decided to give each one of us a portion of that ministry heart that Jesus embodied. We have been given a grace upon our lives to be able 
to function in an effective way with at least one of these things. And as we discover it, we develop it, we grow in it, we become effective in it, and then we pass it on to others and we train the rest of the body of Christ. If you see, that's ultimately goal, the goal of the fivefold. As you discover and develop those things, then you equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that we all, the more we're together, ultimately become more like Jesus in all of those areas. It's not like you got your one thing and then you just become the superstar in that and no one else does it. It's no. Grow in that grace and then pass it on. Equip the rest of the saints so that we can all grow to be more like Jesus in these ways and ultimately then reflect the heart of the Father to one another and to the world. That right there is, is some is some fire that will change the world if we can figure out how to live into it. No wonder the enemy wants to keep that quiet. I mean, that should put a, a, a fire in our veins, a, in our bones. It's like, wow, really? God says, I can be a part of that? Yes! And so that's a huge part of what we want to go after. I'm, I'm going to pause here. There's so, so, so much more. We're just kind of scraping the surface. I'm going to ha have my wife come up and, and share and then pray. So come on, babe. And then Saturday, it's like, man, this is worthy of multiple messages. We haven't even got into some of the really fun stuff of how we're going to see that even before we're following Christ, these things are in us. And we can look out at the world, and we can look out at people that are not yet following Christ, and we can see how, wow, that person is so apostolic, and they don't even know it, or they don't even know how to use it for God, or that person is so prophetic, or so pastoral. So we're going to get into all that. We're going to get into a lot of fun exercises that help us realize how different some of these things are, and there's some natural tensions within them, so we've got to learn to appreciate one another instead of be annoyed at one another, because they can be very different. So we'll pause, finish this off here, and we'll call it a day and say, comma, join us on Saturday. Both. I actually want to read this. Am I on? Yes? There okay. it is. It's coming. There we go. I want to read this um, Ephesians 4.11 real quick in the Passion Translation because I think it just... It'll help us all just to sit at ease with these verses. I think these verses can be a little bit intimidating because they give us an idea of title and power and being official. And we still just get to be kids in God's kindergarten class and on his playground having fun. Um, it's not about slamming things down people's throat with, um, you know, authority and thus says the Lord. In fact, that's absolutely the opposite of what, um, of everything that we learn about these gifts in the New Testament. Um, but these gifts and their titles seem to set things off in people because of how they've been inappropriately given to the choice few and used to lord over people. Um, so I just kind of want to, all of that old history that has not been conducive to empowering an awesome, you know, a, an awesome whole bunch of kindergarten classrooms of God's awesome kids. Um, I just want that to be washed out of our minds and just to kind of start anew. Um, with the ideas uh, that we've that we've learned as we've gone through, you know, our prophetic 
um, translating God workshop and the different things that we've gone over. But here's um, Ephesians 4.11. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists. Oh, my screen blacked out. And some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. As they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in faith, until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God, and finally we become one perfect man or body with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Grace. I love that word. Grace. Grace, 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 grace. So as we learn, because we're all in prof, in, in pro, I was thinking of the word prophet in my head. As we're all in process, there's just grace there. I highly function. My primary base ministry gift would be in the prophetic realm, but um, you know, there's not a pressure of, I am a prophet and everything I say is, you know, as it should be. And it's not because if I'm saying that, I'm not actually being very biblical because everything needs to be tested and we need to hold fast to what is good, which assumes the reality that if everything needs to be tested, there's a lot that's going to be wrong. <laughs> freedom. Yeah, freedom. Freedom and grace. And so I just want to bless us as we as we set on a new adventure, and even if we, have, if we have old lenses from, um, you know, just old ideas, just to pick them up and set them on the side, and um, just, we're going to have fun together, and what this is going to do is we learn to operate in our base ministries with power. Um, it's going to, we're going to build each other up. What this is going to look like is we're encouraging each other. We are going to be coming in contact with one another, and, and the Holy Spirit's just going to be bouncing from one person to the other, just like when you get together with good friends and, oh, wow, this person just really spoke to me and really encouraged me, and so-and-so brought up this verse that's really blessing me. That's what it's going to be about. It's going to be us being blessed and growing and thriving because of the grace gifts that God has given us through one another, operating through each of us in power, and childlike fun and faith. Want to pray? Yeah. Do it. Thank you, God. I need that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lord. I will dance a new dance like David.